Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Yud Zayin in Maseches Rosh Hashanah. I don't feel as bad as I sound, Andrew. Stop looking with, with that concerned eye. I'm just a little congested. Baruch Hashem, I feel great. We are learning today. We're dedicating, as always, Le'ilu Nishmas, Rechaim Zev, Melenowitz Atzal. Today, we're adding on for Fur Shleimah. There's a surgery of David Herman. Oh, hi, Barry. Good morning. David Ita ben Gittel. Uh, says, Garanowitz was here nice and early. He's, he says that Barry knows David Ita ben Gittel. Yeah, I mean, and that he saved his old man. <clears throat> yeah. So he should, the surgery should go well, and he should have her for Shlema. Okay. Rabbi Herman, I guess. I don't know. I don't know who this is. David Herman. All right. You know him, Barry? All right. Yes, a We're going to learn. Now, I think Rabbi Herman would want us to get through the daf, and I put us in a compromising position yesterday. But I got to a very logical point. That's my only defense. And the other defense is that Rabari Leibowitz um, also got to this point when he was doing this seven and a half years ago. We're in the middle of the wide lines at that Zion of Abades. We're going to talk all day today, Bezrat Hashem, and a little bit tomorrow, about this idea of the three books that are open in, in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the heavenly court on Rosh Hashanah leading into Yom Kippur. Uh, words of introduction. The first word of introduction, just to encourage Andrew, is that the Pnei Yeshua says, don't get caught up in this. This is the art school quotes, because we're not going to figure out exactly what's going on. Nobody knows exactly how, you know, what, what goes on and how the tzaddikim get rewarded and how the Rishayim get punished and how everyone in between uh, gets treated. The art school has a beautiful uh, introduction Four different interpretations of the three books, the Tzadikim Gemurim, the Rishayim Gemurim, and the Beinonim, right? This is the famous teaching attributed to Rav Kruspadai, not a, not a, uh, not very uh, common name. He's quoting in the name of Yochanan, the great Gadol in Eretz Yisrael, but the teaching of Rav Kruspadai, he quoted this of Rav Yochanan, and so the reason I'm mentioning the Pnei Yeshua, because he said, don't get back in details, try to get through it, and do the best you can, so Andrew, I will not get bogged down and try to figure out exactly how, uh, how Hashem's rachamim, chesed, and din get applied to each individual, nor will I go through the entire four views, that of Tosfos, the Ramban, the Ravid, and the Sefer Achinuch, as um, outlined beautifully in this art scroll. However, I do want to mention some brief words of introduction so that we could flow quickly, which is, what are the competing factors here when you're talking about judgment? So the bottom line is like this. First of all, the Kosh Baruch Hu is a Rachamim. If you go philosophically, right, if you've ever heard of this idea of Nama the Kisufa, if you, Hashem only wants to bestow good. Oh, that's the concept, the philosophical concept. Nama the Kisufa means that if Hashem, all he did was put us in, so to speak, Gan Eden, and just bestowed his countenance upon us and gave us all good all the time, so that we will have not have earned it, and there would be like a resentment, right? It would be like the bread of shame, right? It would be like a guilty, right? Uh, the guilt that's associated with just getting everything for free all the time. That if you don't earn it, it doesn't mean anything. Wow. So there has to be this whole this whole day is a Garanowitz Mr. moment. So so there has to be at least 
some level of earning something on some level. That's number one. Well, if that's the case, so then the flip side, however, is there is no such thing, we know from Sukkim, as a tzaddik gomer. Meaning, nobody, by being, just by the virtue of being human beings, nobody is infallible. So, you know, we're talking here, we're about to say about tzaddikim gomerim, what is a tzaddik gomer? Somebody who's infallible, that does not exist. Okay, so how does, how does the balance of trying to, right, be rewarded for that which you do, and also uh, it wouldn't mean anything if you weren't punished for that which you did that was wrong. Okay, so that is, that is an interplay that we have to worry about. The other thing is that everybody worries about is theodicy. Theodicy is the fancy philosophical term for tzaddik, what we call tzaddik varalo, Russia vitovlo. The apparent <clears throat> imbalance that people think when they see on the surface, right, you read that there's tzaddikim gemurim, and there's Rashaim, and you read that in Rosh Hashanah, the books are open, and, it's, and the Rashaim is supposed to be killed, and the Tzaddikim is supposed to live on. And yet you see Tzaddikim die every year, and the Rashaim are running around. So everybody is confused, if, right, but the, the issue is, obviously, the answer, and that's why there's four different approaches uh, brought down in, in the art scroll, and many more approaches beyond that. Obviously, it's not as simple as it looks, right? We don't know exactly who's a Tzaddik, we don't know exactly who's a Russia. We don't know what the cheshvan is in the overall larger picture, but we know the basic idea, which is that you do the best you can. You know that you're going to be, you know that you're not infallible, but you know that Hakadosh Baruch Hu, right? There's an ozen shamas, ein rov ozen shamas. Hakadosh Baruch Hu cares and sees every single little detail. Everything is intricately woven, and so it should not be. Uh, you should not be a simple linear thinker and assume. Uh, anything as far as exactly, you know, ascribe just by looking at people, oh, this guy has probably got it good, this guy has got it bad, Hashem is giving it to him. You can't make assumptions as to why Hashem is giving people what, you per, what you're perceiving to be what they're giving. So, so you're saying to me there really is no bad people. Well. Because bad people always have their good to them. They well. They can always do tshuva. It's certainly true that anybody is, that, that the, the, the yad of tshuva is always open. And that it's certainly, I'll put it this way, it's not our place to judge because there's nobody that's perfect and we're all doing the best we can. So that's the best introduction I could give for now, Andrew. And now we're going to see if we're going to follow, uh, heed the uh, advice of the Pnei Yeshua and at least try to get Pashup Shad as we go along without getting bogged down with the philosophical underpinnings here that are very elusive as follows. Amar Rav Kurs Amar we are in the middle of the wide lines of Tezayin Amad Beis. Yeah. Amar Rav Kurs B'day Amar B'yachran. Yep. Yep, that's right. So that's a good point. When, when, when you walk, when you, when, when you step outside of your comfort zone, Kaddish uh, Baruch Hu often rewards. Shlosh Yitzharim Niftachim Rosh Hashanah. So Rosh Hashanah, there are three books. Echad Shel Rishayim Gemurim, Echad Shel Tzadikim Gemurim, Ve'echad Shel Beinonim. So certainly Rashi is going to have to go with Pashib Shat. It's interesting. This second to last Rashi here, Rishayim Gemurim is Ruva Mavonos and Beinonim is Mechzal Mechta. There's only one approach. Not everybody would agree with this. In other words, Rishayim Gemurim, he can't say Rasha Gamor because who's completely, completely wicked? So he says mostly wicked. And the, the flip side will also be true. Nobody's completely tzaddik. We know that to be true. So he has to go with mostly tzaddik. And then Beinonim, he's going to go with right in the middle because we're going to see that sometimes the Kodesh Baruch Hu tips the scales so the Pashat Pshat of the Gemara 
is that Beinonim are exactly 50-50. Now that's not at all what everybody holds. Some would say that anybody between Russia, Gomer, and Russia, Sadiq, there are those Shittas that say that those are absolutes that don't actually exist, and everyone else is Beinonim, which is the range in between perfect Russia and perfect Sadiq, which is essentially everyone. So you see the, how widely spread out the Shittas are. It goes from Beinonim, which is 50-50, which is practically no one, to Beinonim being anything other than the absolute extremes, which is practically everyone. So let's assume, um, for our purposes, that we're Beinonim, be that as it may, that Tzadikim Gemurim is Nechtavim V'Nechtavim L'Altolachayim, as we say, that Tzadikim Gemurim are written and sealed immediately on Rosh Hashanah for life. Rosh Gemurim Nechtavim Nechtavim L'Altolamisa. Rosh Gemurim are going to be, right, written and sealed immediately, L'Altol, for death. And Beinonim Tluin V'Amdim Rosh Hashanah V'Adyom Kippurim. And the Beinonim are, as we familiarly know, on Rosh Hashanah, it's written, but the actual uh, fate is not sealed until Yom Kippur. If the Zoche, they're written for life. If they're not, they're written for death. So again, when you see what you perceive to be Rosham Gemurim walking around, it could be one of two things. Either they're not Rosham Gemurim, or Misa doesn't mean actual Misa, which is another shot. Which is Misa means some sort of Olam Haba gets taken away from them. Things that you cannot see. These are things that we cannot, as human beings, really perceive clearly. Okay, so, so Amar Rabbi Avin, what is the source of the existence of these books? Maikra, well, the Pasuk says in rather, that you should be erased from the book of life, and with Tzadikim, you don't want to be written. So obviously there's some sort of book here. So if you break down the Pasuk, you say, this is homiletics, right? This is certainly not Pashup Shat in the Pasuk. But you say, be erased from the book, that's Rishayim Gemurim. Chaim is the Sifran Shot Tzadikim. Chaim is the book of life of Tzadikim. Ve'im Tzadikim. Ali Kasevu is the Sifran Shel Beinonim. Right? That they're not going to be in Tzadikim. They won't be written, which is to say that they're not going to be sealed. That is the Beinonim. That is the source for Rabbi Avin. Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak, right? He was the valedictorian of Masechus Pesachim, as you might recall. Amar Behacha, he learns it from the following Pasuk. This really takes it out of the Pshat. You remember by Chet Egel. So in that sense, the context makes some sense because Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to beseech on behalf of Klai Yisrael, right, for Rachamim. And he says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Vim Ayin, and if you're not going to, right, listen and, and forgive Klai Yisrael, then erase me, says Moshe Rabbeinu to Hashem, right, from your book. Erase me as Rishayim. So even though it's a totally different pasuk, a totally different context. Same sort of words, right? The mecheni, the erasure, is that of tzadik of rishaim, which are erased from the book of life. Mesifracha is the book of life itself, which is reserved for tzadikim. Asher katavta, the sifran shall be nonim. And there again, right? The words katav here is to exclude chatam, which is to say you are written in Rosh Hashanah if you're a benoni, but you're not yet sealed. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the judgment. Tanya, we have a following b'risa. Bishama Yomrim, we're going to have two different approaches on how this works. That of Bishama Vesil, fascinating. Bishama says, Shalosh Kitzatayin Niyomadin. So you have three groups. Achas Shel Tzadikim Gemurim, Bachas Shel Rishayim Gemurim, Bachas Shel Beinonim. As we've said, okay, so you have full on Tzadikim, Rishayim, and Beinonim. So Tzadikim Gemurim, Nechsavim Nechsavim Lalat Lachayi Olam. Just as we've said, 
If you're tzadik gomer, then right away you get immediate chaya olam. Rishayim gomer nechtav nechtav la'alto legehenim. Here is our mention of Gehenim over here. That's where the Rishayim end up immediately. Shenemar, and now he brings a pasuk from Daniel. Virabi meishene admas offer yakitsu eila lechaya olam beila lecharofas lidir on olam. Many of those who sleep in the earth will awaken. Okay, some for everlasting life and some for shame. For everlasting, the opposite of life, right? Beinonim yardim legehenim, and he says that the beinonim. This is a. This is why he's explaining it. What's this? So some are going to be everlasting in the gehenim. Some are going to be everlasting immediately life. And then what happens to the beinonim? So he says beinonim yardim legehenim. They go down to gehenim, and as we finally arrive at Zion and Aleph. Um, it's soft to find the olim. Rashi. I just want to say, so, uh, my friend, it, it mentions Rabbi David Cornglass in the article. You see him, Barry, on Rabbi uh, no, David Cornglass, the famous mashkiach yeah, of Neri right. Sral, yeah, mentioned in the art school. Beautiful. The, the, I'm very impressed because my my old man was uh, is his favorite, uh, one of his best students. You know? Wow. Yeah, Rabbi David Cornglass, and they all got the. Uh, wow. He got his. He got. He was an altamir. He got his mesora from Yeruchim Levavitz wow. and uh, and the and the mir mashkichim. Okay, so 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 he was uh, so he was a great man. Made it into the uh, the art scroll. We have we have a here in Baltimore uh, the beautiful mesora from uh, all the way from Rudiman and going back to the altar Mikelm and uh, and Rav Gordon uh, Cornglass. So we have. We have Baruch Hashem Rezokhe to, to, uh, to a Masora, a beautiful Masora over here. So, so they go on. So, to be that as a mate, when you, Mitzavtav in Ve'olin means that the Beinonim are the first Rashi in Yudzayin Amadalaf, Tzokim Avochim Mitochi Surin Shah Achas Ve'olin. Right? In other words, they have Shah Achas, interesting. There's a moment where they are crying and they're screaming, and then they come, they, that's when they ascend from the Gehenim. That, so, that's sort of like, they're cleansing, you'll call it, okay? Shenemar, as it says in Zechariah, What's the shlishis? The third. So, as we said, there's three groups. So one of the groups is going to go into the fire. like right? The uh, welding the by fire. Uh, and so they're formed there, so to speak, purified. Uh, as one is purifying silver. Right, and so it's refined, so it gets purified and refined, purified like silver and refined like gold. And so during that purification process, as described in Zechariah, you're going to call out Hashem's name, Hashem will answer, and boom, they come out of Gehenna, and that is their cleansing, and then they, uh, right, so after that, they're living, so to speak, and Chana said, uh, with regard to, to that, this is in Shmuel. Hashem emi sumichayem orich ol v'yal. This is what she was referencing. Right? When she said Hashem puts to death and raises to life, and He can bring you down into Sheol, which is Gehenim, and can raise you up. And that was the Shita of Beit Shammai. So again, Beit Shammai is going to be to say that you have this heaven, and then you have this Gehenim, and then the Beinonim they get the little bit of Gehenim to refine them, and then they go up from there. Basil, however, says Basil Omrim, Verav Chesed. Well, we say that Hashem is filled with Chesed. So Mate Klape Chesed. So Basil Shita is that you can sometimes you can avoid this this uh, excruciating cleansing step. How so? 
Well, Hashem kind of gives you a pass. He takes a look and he says, you know what? You're good. You're good. You get the idea. That's what David meant when he said, He says, I love when Hashem hears my voice. And that was the entire capital to Hillim, including He said, I was poor, but Hashem saved me. Um, in other words, I was, right, it's the entire, the entire parak there is talking about David Amalek, who viewed himself as what? As a Benoni. So I was, I was flesh and blood. I had my shortcomings. And yet, Hashem didn't feel it necessary, right, to throw me into the fiery furnace. He had Rachmim on, on me, and that is, right, that is the theme of Tehillim, Kuf, Tes, Vav. Okay. Ayin uh, Shah. So now, let's talk about the wicked, shall we? Eight lines down on Yudzayin and Aleph. There are some categories of wicked, we talk about Rosham Kamurim, that are so bad that they're really a little bit off the grid, off the, off the, off the, off the usual chart, and they are punished accordingly as follows. Says the Gemara. Poshe Yisrael begufon. Right, we'll see what this means. But they rebel, they're Poshe Yisrael, right? There are the rebels of, uh, of Yisrael, right? They're the Jewish rebels, begufon. What do they do with their body? This concept of begufon is, um, is going to be addressed in, in, in the Gemara. The Gemara is going to say what it possibly could mean. Uh, we have at least, you know, five or six or seven different things that it could mean in the Mepharshim, but we'll, we'll get to it. Poshe umas olam begufan, and poshe umas olam begufan, so that's the, right, the non-Yisrael poshe begufan. What do these two groups do? Yordin le Gehenim, benidonim bashnei masar chodesh, so very specific. They go to Gehenim for 12 months. Lachashnei masar chodesh, gufo kalav nishmasan yisrefes, after 12 months, their body is consumed, soul is burned, whatever that means. Wind comes, scatters their ashes onto the souls of the tzaddikim, and the tzaddikim walk on the ashes of these rishayim. Wow. Shenemar, v'asosem rishayim ki yu efer tachas kapos raglechem. Right, so this is um, a pasuk in Malachi that it describes, right, the, the, the wicked being trampled, and their ashes being trampled on the souls of the Sadiqim. So one could say this is allegorical, would make sense, right? But be that as it may, this these are two very severe categories of Rishayim. Okay. Says the Gemara, Okay, so Minim are like uh, they don't believe, they're non believers. Mesaurus and Moser is somebody who like informs like uh he's, a, he's he's somebody who informs, let's say, the government and has people taken away, like a tattletale. And an Apikaris is Kaifer Batara. All of them are really Kaifer Batara. It says the Gemara Shakafer Batara, but Shakafer Batriya Samesim. But they were Kofer in the right the concept of Torah Misinai. They were Kofer in the concept of Triasamesim, Vishapir Shumidarchit Sibur, and they also separated themselves from the community. They brought uh, fear. They instilled fear in the Eretz Chaim. Eretz Chaim here is, we'll, we'll see what it means, but basically they, they instilled fear in people. And they sinned and caused others to sin. What is an example? The Gemara says, Well, we think of you would think that once you learned about the golden calf, that there would not ever be another golden calf. But that's not entirely true. There was the first king of the ten tribes. Um, 
of the, this is a Jewish king, but this is not a non-Jewish uh, leader. This is a Jewish king. Uh, he broke away from the kingdom of Yehuda, okay? And he actually built, right? He didn't, he outlawed the Alila Regel, amazingly, and he substituted in order to, um, he thought, he feared that people would still want to go and see the base of Mikdash because after all, even in those times, it sounds like there's a lot of corruption, but the base of Mikdash was still somewhat of a draw for people. So he substituted that with his own little pilgrimages out in his own kingdom, where, of course, instead of a base of Mikdash there, he had centers that people went to three times a year with golden calves. So, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Incredible, right? Like, you would think, you would think after reading the Chumash that people will get the hint. That just goes to show you, human beings, it's tough. Where, where, where was tough. the ten tribes in the north, north of Israel? Yeah, so... Right, you have to, you really have to listen to Rabbi David Katz right. explain the, um, all the corruption that went on. You know, we had this last, this last week's Haftarah. We can't get bogged down, but, you know, he, the way he said it was incredible. You know, Eliyahu Novi was very frustrated in his day. Very, very frustrated. He, he called for a famine, basically. Because he's so frustrated, he needed to starve people out. So to quote David Katz, he says, "You know, everybody thinks Elio on a V was like the Jewish Santa Claus. He comes and he comes to the seder, and you think of him as a friendly guy. He was, uh, but you know, I don't, and I didn't know him personally. But you know, by all accounts, we certainly look at Elio Navi as a like paternal, malevolent, um, um, magnanimous figure. But uh, but he was very frustrated in his generation. You look in the in the Navi." And it was tough. There's a lot of sinning and there's a lot of consequences and not a lot of people listening. And to Goranowitz's point, you would think that you'd have the self-awareness to realize that having centers for Alila Rega with golden calves maybe is not a bad idea considering uh, Jewish history. But sometimes we don't learn enough from our history. So anyway, so these were, so these were examples of people who really didn't get it, right? The, this is talking about not paying attention, not taking Musser at all, and being self-serving. That's really kind of like at the crux of it. So what's the consequence? You said the Gehenim, and you're punished there for eternity. That's a long time. Right? So that's what the Pasuk says in Isaiah, that they'll go out to see the corpses of those who were rebels against me. Right? So that fire will not be, will not ever cease as the Gemara says, "Hanum kolav ein ein on kolim." The ultimate sort of like exaggeration of how eternally they're going to burn, even when the flames of Gehenim go out, th- these guys are still going to be burning. Okay, wow. all right. Right, their form will outlast Sheol. In other words, it's going to be an everlasting burn. So, v'chol kach lama. Wait a minute, that's a lot. Forever? Why so severe? Because mipnei pashto yadeim bizvul. They laid their hands against what's Zvul, the base of Mikdash. Shanamar mi Zvul lo. Right? At the end, it says his Zvul. The ain Zvul ela base of Mikdash, says the Gemara. Right? Shanamar banovaniti base Zvul loch. So Zvul means base of Mikdash. And so what do they do? Basically, the base of Mikdash represents Hashem. They were purposely rebelling. And that kind of, right, overt rebellion is meted out with um, an extreme punishment. Right. He, Hashem is going to contend, so to speak, um, or those who contend with Him, they, they, they should be shattered. So Hashem Yechatu Mirivav. Mirivav is 
a reeve, right? An, an argument, a fight. So those who fight with Hashem, yechatu, they should be shattered. Okay. 11 lines up from the middle wide lines. Right? We have three levels of width here on the Gemara, just like the three books uh, in front of, of Rosh Hashanah. So this, this is 11 lines up from the middle. What? No, Navi. What? No book named after Elio. Oh, why is there no Navi Elio? Safer Elio? Interesting. By the way, you asked a great question last week about uh, no, sh- no maestros during Shemitah. You know that, right? right. Uh, I quoted Rabari Leibowitz. I may have misunderstood something that he said. The Rav, uh, Rabbi Gross, gave a whole shear on... The, the real kasha is, of course, there's no maestros during Shemitah. The real question is, if everything is hefker, why is there a special limud that there's no maestros during Shemitah? Right? In other words, it should be obvious because there is no possessions. So how could you have maestro? But it's not for now. That was already last week. I and Shem. Hadron Allah, as they say. Okay, let's keep going. 11 lines up from the middle width lines. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Avin. Ufneim domim l'shulei kedera. Oh. What's going on? So this is referencing again the middle group. What happened to the Beinonim? The truth is, is the Machlokas. Is this Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Avin? Is this piece referring to the Beinonim or the Rishayim? It's unclear. Different Gersos. You'll see soon why. Because these people are going to have sort of like the blackened uh, uh, look. You know, when I, when I was in... Um, Manhattan on the fateful day of 9-11, uh, I was right there because I was in orthodontic school at the time. So I, yeah, I was right there. So I remember we got back on the boats. We had to get back. I was living in Passaic at the time for Manhattan and it took like 12 hours to get home and we were all like waiting, we were waiting for, for, to get on boats and half the people were ashen faced, right? They had been, they just had soot all over their face and all over their clothes. Half the people looked like they, they had just walked out of their graves. So the Yitzchak Barabbin says, You're walking around heaven, so to speak, and you see their face looks like the bottom of a pot. In other words, they look ashen and burnt-faced. He could be the handsomest of the people of Mechoza, which is a place known for its handsome people, and they can look great. But they'll be called the sons of Gehenna because even though they were really handsome, they actually were scorched during their little cleansing process um, in uh, in Gehenna, and so you could see the char marks on them. So Amar Mar Basil of Chesed. Okay, so Mar said the Basil says that Hashem is going to be abundant in kindness. Matek Chesed. It means that He's always tipping towards kindness. So the Gemara asks, But wait, we said that there's a third of them that's brought into the fire, which means that it sounds like at least the Beinonim go into the fire for a little bit. So which is it? Is it going to be the chesed that David spoke of that you, you spared? Or is it going to be this shlishit ba'esh that you get burned? So, right, because the Pasuk says, it's, it's in Zechariah. Vivesi is a shlishit ba'esh, it's trafdim ketrofas a kesev, right? Um, so, so that was, that's the Pasuk in Zechariah that we aforementioned. So we say, hasen b'poshe Yisrael begufan, right? So that Pasuk is dealing with, uh, those are poshe Yisrael with their body. What's the poshe Yisrael? That what's with their body? Asks the Gemara. You just said before that the Poshi Yisrael Begufan don't have any recourse, right? So now you're saying what? The Poshi Yisrael Begufan are considered Beinonim and they're going to get cleansed with the fire? So which is it? Is the fire going to be everlasting or is it going to cleanse them and they're going to end up in heaven? So the Gemara answers, When is there no Takana for them? When, in addition to having done this Poshe Yisrael Begufan, they also committed 
like Rav Avodos, which is why Rashi says that a Russian Gummer is Rav Avodos. He's going with the Gemara's explanation, trying to stick to Pasha Pshat. So they're mostly Rishayim all the time, and they're Poshi Yisrael Begufan. They're going to have that everlasting fire. However, Hacha Mechetza Avonos and Mechetzas This is straight up where Rashi gets it, right? Rashi says that when you are, right, going to be half and half uh, between Avonos and Schuyos, so then even though you're going to be Posha, right, Begufo, what's going to happen is you'll get that cleansing. So then that's the category. In other words, if you're half and half and you're not Posha Yisrael Begufo, so then you're going to be uh, spared the fire of Gehenna. But if you're half and half, Despite the fact that you're Poshet Shal Begufo, as long as you're half and half, the, the fact that you're Poshet Shal Begufo is going to be cleansed by the fire of Gehenim, and then you get to go to heaven. And though, even though one of the Avonos that you're going to have, says the Gemara, is going to be the Poshet Shal Begufon, that's going to be the, that's going to be what is going to be handled by the fire, and then you move on to heaven. It says, Therefore, for a person who has Right, for a person who who doesn't have some time in Gehenim, it's not going to be good enough without the fire. love, but if a person that has half and half, right, does not have a poshi Yisrael, so what do you do with the regular? As we said, what do you do with the regular half and half that doesn't have the poshi Yisrael amongst his list of averos? So there you get the revav chesed. So the gemara, then he's going to be mate klape chesed, right? So in other words, there's there's half and half, and there's half and half. If you're half and half, and amongst your half and half, there's Poshi Shal Begufo, so then you're going to get a little Ganim, and then you're going to move on. If you're half and half without that Avera, then Hashem's going to be no to the Chesed. Uh, so, presumably, for example, David Melech said he was spared. So, it would seem that he was half and half, according to this shot, and he viewed himself at least as half and half, and yet he was spared the fires of Gehenna because he was not Poshi Shal Begufo. So, oh. Right, so again, it's how 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 much of the how much of the din is is meted out in this world, and the next is uh, is very very hard, obviously, to know. But that is what, uh, with regards to this, that's what David said about Leinam or David. It's about them, meaning about himself. Ahafti kishma Hashem, Hashem listened to my voice, and therefore he was spared Gehenim. Now, Darash Rava, with regards to that pasuk, my nixiv ahafti kishma Hashem. What did he mean when he said, "I love Hashem, He hears my voice"? This is what Kal Yisrael said to Hashem. He said, Hashem, When am I beloved? When you hear the voice of my right, uh, beseeching. And what is meant by when David the Melech said that I was poor and he saved me? Even though I was lacking in mitzvahs, it's fitting for you to save me. Birnbaum didn't like that. mitzvahs. Sounds like I don't have any mitzvahs at all. No, that's not what it means. Rashi says here. In other words, I have mitzvahs, certainly. But I don't have like, uh, I'm not bursting with mitzvahs to the extent that one could argue that I am free and clear of all judgment. I could always do more. And therefore, Hashem would require to employ rachamim in order to, right, in order to not punish me uh, fully. Fine. So after said all this, we still don't know exactly what the poshri Yisrael begufan means. So now we're four lines down in the middle uh, size lines. They say like this: poshri Yisrael begufan mainihu. What does it mean, poshri Yisrael begufan? So Amarav karkafta de lomanach tefillin. Wow, 
a head that not, did not wear tefillin. Okay. So the Rabban here says that this is just a, an example. In other words, Rabban is going to say any, any sort of mitzvah you're like parak ol, that you totally took off, uh, from yourself. Uh, Tosfos here has a whole thing about imosik betayrik minich tefillin dummy, that if you, if you're learning Torah, it's like a minich tefillin. And at the end of that Tosfos, he says, v'chol hani dishmaisim b'shalasa tshuva. V'lasa tshuva, meaning b'yuma, we already learned b'shalas yuma, the tshuva toila, uh, Right, umisa mimarekes. In other words, with regard, we learned that with regards to tshuva already. We learned maseches yuma that kakafta lomanach tefillin. There's a lot of right interpretations of what it means, but it basically means you threw off the entire uh, yoke of the Torah in a way that was visible, in a way that was in, encompassing, and you didn't have any remorse and no attempt to tshuva and no attempt to, at all to to to. Um, to, to learn uh, from your ways, to learn Torah, to, to, to compensate from it in any way. So it's a complete, right, throwing off of, of Torah mitzvahs. That's the essential crux of the Peshat of what it means to be Posh Yisrael Begufo. What does it mean to be Posh Yisrael Begufo? So it says, Amarav Be'avera. That's the Avera. What's Avera? Small Tosfos at the bottom of Yedzayin and Aleph. Uh, Arayas. In other words... Uh, when it comes to the Umas Olam, so they may not have the expectations of Tefillin, obviously, they don't wear Tefillin at all. And other things that we take on, so they don't have those obligations, but Arias applies to everyone, and if you're basically a lowlife with regards to Arias, so then that is a Poshe Umas Olam Begufan. Ah, and the Bryce continues, So that's what we had already said. So these are, we're going according to the list of those who don't merit Really, uh, to come out of their, uh, to come out of their Gehenim. So these are people who put terror into people. Amar of Chista, what's this? You have a communal leader, what's called a Parnas, and he's scaring everybody, and he's not scaring everybody because he wants them to be in line for their own good. He's just exerting his authority. That's not good. A person who, again, exerts excessive fear on people for, for no reason other than to be a bully, he won't see his son who's a Tam Chacham. People will fear him. This is the Pasuk in Eov. People fear him. He's not going to see anybody wise of heart. means he won't have a son who's wise. Now, one line up now from the widest of lines. What does it mean, Rav Chesed? Hashem is going to tip towards Chesed. How so? That's the Gemara. But the answer will be like this. So there's going to be machlokas. We'll say it's outside. Yeah, imagine scales. Some say he's going to depress. Hakadosh Baruch Hu depresses the schuyos, meaning puts the schuyos down and then schuyos win, right? As if it was a scale. The other one says he's going to lift the avonos and the schuyos by default wins. Okay, a fascinating machlokas. Does the Shem emphasize the schuyos, and that's how you end up getting the dinas chesed, or does he de-emphasize and excuse the avonos? Says Rabbi Yezer. Kovsho, he's going to right depress the side of the schuyas, meaning emphasize the schuyas. He's going to show his mercy. He's going to depress our yichvoshavonoseinu means he's going to overcome or outweigh our avonos. How does he outweigh our avonos? Well, he outweighs them by uh, emphasizing our schuyas. That's how Rabbi Lazar understands it. He lifts up right the schuyas. 
Well, actually lifting up the side of the sin so that it's outweighed by the schuyas, I should say. Right? He lifts up the avon. So it's literally, if you can envision scales, he's lifting up the side of avon. And he overlooks the pesha. That's a pasuk in Micha. Now, So what does it mean? This is, right, uh, which, which of the sins is he going to uh, eliminate first? He says... The first one, in other words, like, it's the first test of the semester, and you bomb it. You get an avon. So you get this, so, so the teacher, who has Rachmanis, says, you know what? You weren't used to it yet. That's the test I'm going to cancel. It's not going to go towards your final grade, so to speak. So he's removing that first of those sins. That is actually the abundant kindness that Hashem has. Uh, that's his manner, his attribute, as we call it. Okay. Now, finally, Now, the sin itself... Is not erased. In other words, when you're sort of like tipping the scales and you're in the half and half zone, Hashem is going to remove that avon, that first one, and then He's going to do it if it, and then it could end up, Bezrat Hashem, that you end up in the category of Moras Chuyos, and then you get heaven. However, if it turns out that it's like all avonos, chas v'shalom, and you don't have any schuyos, so then that first one that he took off that was like a really big avera, the big bomb test he took at the end, he's just taking it in escrow, right? He'll stick it back on if it turns out that you're in Russia anyway. All right, that's what this means. Okay, so Amarava. Called Maivra Amidaisev. Oh, 6.13 a.m. Rav Melinowitz at Sal. Called Maivra Amidaisev Mabir Shav. A person who is Maivra Amidaisev means that he could, right, get back, get back at you, but he's not. He is mevater, as they say, right? Uh, relinquishes that measure of retribution that he could take. That Hashem is going to also uh, relinquish the sins. Right? What does it mean that he that he pardons the transgression, overlooks the sin? What transgression is he pardoning? In other words, it means he pardons the avon of that who is over ala pesha. Which is to say, if somebody does something bad to you and you're mevater, then Hashem will be mevater on your avonas. And a story as follows. Ravuna Bereh, the Rishu Chalash. got sick. Al Rav Papa Lishayulebe. The Papa went up to visit him. Chazil Chalash Leila Alma. And he saw that he was at the brink of death. Amr Lotzvisu Leil Zavdasa. Zavdasa, like Mizvada. Bring him his Tachrichim. In other words, he's a goner. Go, go escort him to the world to come, so to speak. Lasof Ispach. But sure enough, Ravuna gets better. Awkward. Ravuna wakes up. He sees all the tachrichim and the candle, the Yartzat candle. He sees they were getting ready for his Leviah. And Rav Papa is standing there and he's embarrassed. So Ravuna says, what did you see that made you think I was... Uh, uh, right. So, so, so I'm sorry. They, they said to Ravuna, what did you see? So Amar Lahu, Ein Hachi Hava. He says, yes. Rav Papa was right. I was about to... Pass on to the next world. But Baruch said, "You know what? Since he doesn't stand on principle, we're going to let him stand against, uh, stand a little longer." And then he expanded the puzzle because we said before that he who is over Almidosov, he's got Hashem is going to give him uh, the benefit of the doubt. Okay, and then continuing with the puzzle because this is really to psukim. Uh, that are consecutive in Micha. We, we are saying them uh, out of order, but the Tupsukim in, in Micha nonetheless. So it says, the Sheris Nachlato. What does it mean, the remnant of his Nachla? Amar Rabbi Acha Barchanina, Aliyah Vakotzba. 
There's a fat tail here. It's a great thing, which is the finest of the meat. However, there's a thorn in it. Because it says, The remnant of his nachla. So this is the last Rashi over here. Uh, Alia is the fatty tail. It says there's there's a nice tale. In other words, it's true that there's a good message here, but it's not for everyone. Why? As we turn to Yudzainu Beis, a person who makes himself like a shmata, so to speak, is or debases himself or doesn't think highly of himself overly, is going to be the one that's going to benefit this benefit of the dad from the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Says the Gemara, how does Hashem judge the world? Ravuna Rami, Hashem Hashem is a tzaddik in all his ways. And also chesed. So bitchila tzaddik, also chesed. In other words, tzaddik is like judgment. But in the end, he's, he's chesed. Uh, he does it with chesed. Rabbi Yazar Rami, ksiv l'cha adonai chesed. To you, Hashem is chesed. V'ksiv ki atata shalem le'ish kemaseu. But it sounds like you're exacting according to Isha's, to person's maizim. So again, the same idea. Bitchila ki atata shalem kemaseu. L'vasof l'cha adonai chesed. At the end, it's going to be chesed. So in other words, again, the same idea, that there is this idea of din. It's certainly Hashem knows, so to speak, what the din is. But at the end, he's magnanimous. Uh, third idea. Ilfai, Amrila, Ilfa, Ramei. Ilfai, and some say it was Ilfa who posed the following contradiction. Berman was joking. He says he can give you a three-hour shear on Ilfa versus Ilfai. I think he was kidding. But uh, some say it was Ilfa, some say it was Ilfai. Except for Rav Chesed. Right, as we know from the thirteen attributes, right, the Yudgimel Midos says that he is filled with Chesed and he's filled with Emes. Well, guess what? Those two things are actually contradictory. Well, Chesed and Emes are mutually exclusive at times. Sometimes Chesed involves overlooking the Emes, so that's what the Gemara says. Yes, everything starts with Emes, right? You have to know brass tacks, so to speak, like what the Emes is, but. You start from the MS, and then you can be magnanimous. You can't be delusional. You start with MS, but then you be magnanimous. Elaborating on the Yud Gimel Midas. What does it mean that he, Hashem passed for him and, and then he said something? Amazing. Rabbi Yochanan says, I can't even believe the anthropomorphism here. It makes Hashem sound like he's a Shliach Tzibur. It says, If this wasn't an often a Pasuk, Right, beferish. I would have not been able to say it. why. Milamid shini tatev a kashmarchu kishlech tibor. Sounds like a kashmarchu is wrapping himself like in a talis, like a shlech tibor. The herald of the Moshe say their tefila, and he's demonstrating to Moshe how to daven. Omalo, he says Hashem said to Moshe, calls Moshe Yisrael chotin yasu lufanek kaseh azev and imachelahem. He gave us the formula, the magic formula. Whenever we are sitting, give the take these yud gimel minos, as you guys recall from right the yom neraim. And you say the Yud Gimel Midas, and Hashem's going to give you Mechila. So let's go through the Yud Gimel Midas. Hashem, Hashem. What does it mean, Hashem, Hashem? I am Hashem before the person sins, and the same Hashem after the person does Tshuva. I'm sitting and I'm waiting for you. What does that mean? So technically it means that he's compassionate and he's gracious. In other words, it means we have a covenant with Hashem. Once you say the Yud Gimel Midos, you're not going to be coming back empty-handed. Right? Because it says, following, right after, the same Parsha, right after it says Yud Gimel Midos, it says I'm making a bris. What's the bris? That's the bris. That if you say Yud Gimel Midos, you'll be forgiven. To which, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, let's talk about the effectiveness of Tshuva. Tshuva, if, even if you had a Gzair Din already, Tshuva could tear it up. 
Amazing. We're saying the Eretz Yisrael is going to be desolate. They're fattening their heart. They're hardening their ears, sealing their eyes. And, however, if they see it with their eyes and hear with their ears and stand with their heart, they're going to be doing tshuva. If they do tshuva, then it's guaranteed that they're going to be healed. In other words, they were almost not zochet to tshuva. You almost wish that they didn't do the tshuva in a way because they were so incredibly corrupt. But even with that corruption, if they did do tshuva, they'd be healed, they'd be saved. Amazing. As Amar the Gemara ever says, this is three lines down in the wide lines. Maybe this was all before the, the Xardin, but once you have a Xardin, then the Tshuva won't help. So Abayah says, no. It's a no. And be healed. What needs healing? It's a very Xardin that gets healed, and therefore, even with the Xardin, you can have, after Tshuva, you can be released from the Xardin. Wow. Okay. Mesve. So now, another objection, however. Hashav bein Asaim. Let's say, bein Asaim here is referring to between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So we have a famous idea. That if you do tshuva between Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, machlein lo, you get mechila. Lo shal bein Asaim. You don't take advantage of the Aser Shemit Tshuva. I feel heavy calling lo nevayot shavolam. You bring the nevayot was the place where had the best rams. You bring all the best korbanos in the world. Ain't machlein lo. You're not going to get mechila. Sounds like that even if you try to do that, that in other words, you didn't do the tshuva and you didn't take advantage of the associate made tshuva, therefore you get exiled, and you can't reverse it. So the Gemara says, Lokasha, amazing. The yachet maybe at that point is not going to be able to overturn the exiled, but the community can always overturn the exiled. The Gemara asks, Well, it's talking about Eretz Israel. Hashem is always looking, the eyes are always on the Eretz Israel from beginning. The Hemshach of the Pasuk is from beginning of the year to the end of the year. We see, itim latova, itim lara. Sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Itim latova keson. What's good? Haresha yu Yisrael v'sham gurim b'rosh Hashanah u'paskolam shamim mu'atim and lasof chazur b'hem. So he says, in the beginning, right, they were completely corrupt and therefore they were, the, the psak was that they were not going to get a lot of rain that year. However, they did shuva and then the host of Efshar. However, you can't at that point, it was already exiled and you can't add rain. So what do you do? Shikvar Nigzara Gezerah. The Gezerah is already done. So what does the Kaddish Baruch do? A shtick. And the Kaddish Baruch Maridan Bezmanon Al Aretz Hatzrichalahen Akolafia Aretz. Ah, he says, you know what? I, I, it was destined that I were going to do 100,000 gallons this year. And I, that Xardin I can't change. But I'm going to make it very directed exactly at the crops. I'm not going to waste throwing gallons on top of the, of the pond and the ocean where it doesn't matter or at times where it's already saturated. I'll be very specific and efficient. And therefore, it'll have the same effect of having the Gishamim. Itim Lara Ketzad and Conversely, how is it bad? Let's say they were Sadiqim Gemurin and they did amazingly during Yom Naraim. So they were going to get 8 million gallons of, of Geshem that year. However, they went back to their wicked ways. You can't take back those gallons. Because that was already Nigzar. Okay, but you dump all the gallons into where it doesn't matter and then it has that effect. So, Latova Mia Likre Lagzar Dinayo. So, the Gemara concludes the question. If the repentance of a community can overturn a Gezera, so Ligzar Dinayo Velasiflu. So, just add gallons. Like, just do the Gzardin completely. 
and rip it up. Says the Gemara, shiny, awesome, Dev Shabrahi. Yes, that's one option, but it's always a better option to like play with what you already have and not change the nature. And so therefore, if you could do it by making it more or less efficient, then Akash Baruch prefers to do that. But if you did a proper tshuva and the only way to return the rains would be to change the amount of gallons, Akash Baruch could obviously do that too. So we will continue tomorrow, Be'ezus Hashem, with a Pasuk in Tehillim, the challenge of the Rebbe 10 lines up from the bottom of Yudzayin Amud Be'ez.